Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Good day, everybody. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. It is a Thanksgiving edition of the front row. But two more important words. Which are? Florida week. It is also Florida week. In reference to the first, all that means is that we'll be a little fatter than usual this week as we do the show. Which is hard to believe on this chair. (laughs) And in reference to the second point, it is Florida week. And it doesn't matter. We say it every year, and it becomes more true Maybe the older I get, uh, the more that time goes on, and I appreciate the rivalry. Certainly, you played in it. It doesn't matter that Florida State's not playing for a national title this year. You still want to beat the Gators. How about this for a trivia question that, that I just can't believe? This group has beaten Florida three years in a row. If they win the 2016 game, that will be four in a row. The last time that was done was my group. 30-something years ago. that I can't get my hands around that. I'm not saying that to tout my group. I'm just saying it to tout this is the way this rivalry has been, that, that this would just be the second group of Florida State athletes that have beaten Florida four in a row. Well, the one I saw, this will be the first group potentially – that went unbeaten against Florida and Miami. Is that, ever. Is that what I read? Ever. Am I mixing up something well, from a I long think, way? Well, let's think about I think in the late 80s, so – 87 to 90 was four in a row. Okay. That is. Then I misread what I was talking but, about. So that, that makes me feel a little better. But it also speaks to, I mean, this is a true rivalry. Nobody is dominating this thing, at least over the last 30, 35 years. Well, and the footnote may be that, uh, yeah, Florida and Miami what, weren't what they were in the 90s or aren't what they once were. So be it. Well, in Florida the history, State wasn't much from about 81 to 86. In the, in the history of Florida State football, not, no class has gone 8-0 against Miami and Florida. And this class, uh, despite a 10-3 and season last year and a three-loss season this year, is in position to Pretty do remarkable. it. And Pretty you can, remarkable. You can put an asterisk in your mind if you want, but I'll go ahead and take it if they can get that no done. No question. No question. I'm going to uh, take a moment real quick to uh, pay tribute to Madison Social, as we always do. Uh, Madso has uh, that huge Christmas tree and a big unveiling plan for early december rockefeller center south i didn't i don't know specifically what well i do know what they've been doing this week this is a this is a great promotion i don't think we've mentioned this yet happy hour has started every day at 27 to 2 appropriately because of the score last year would that be 133 yes it would be (laughs) it'd be nice if we had a score that that was also a time when the game is finished this week too so uh, what I was going to say is I don't know what Madso is doing in, in regard to the game this week. I'm just going to suggest that it would be a fun place to go before, so Florida after, State, during the game. If Florida State wins 12-3, to 3, you'll be happy. Sure. Because it'll be 12-03. Yes. Something, no, 12-3 to 3 is actually 248. Come now on, I'm Keith, confused. Do I have to draw a Now I'm you? confused. Anyway, thank you to Madison Social. 27-2, uh, to 2, happy hour starts. Uh, I, get, I don't know if they're open on Thanksgiving. But uh, certainly by Friday, happy hour will start at 27 to 2. Um, on, a, on a much more serious and somber note, as, as uh, we finish out this first segment here, 
we need to reflect back on on Monk Bonasort. Uh, I I knew him in my role with the radio network for two decades plus. You knew him because he started alongside you in the secondary for Florida State uh, in the late seventies, which really were when the uh, the bricks started getting laid and the foundation being built for what Florida State football has. The concrete showed up then. Yeah, for what FSU football is now, and that's no disrespect to the to the guys that. Uh, sweat and toiled for bill peterson and in the earlier years the nugent boys and all that but i think most would point to bobby arrived in 76 77 to 80 all of a sudden florida state's on the national scene playing in orange bowls in back-to-back years and came literally this close to winning a national title in 1980 but i'll defer to you who's known monk for for all those years well i i I was just i will tell you i was privileged to know him Uh, we started 30 plus games together Uh, he taught me how to play football he, he was the best coach I ever had. I learned more from Monk than any uh, older gentleman that had the title of coach. Uh, we would spend time after dinner. Um, that was back in the days, Tommy, when you had to go get the projector. You couldn't bring it up. There was no internet. There was no bringing it up on the network. You'd literally go to Coach Stanton's office and swipe the projector, get those canisters of film that uh, or in the silver uh, two pieces that you put together you take some masking tape and put on the top of it and write down what it was and I'd grab those canisters and he'd grab that projector and we'd go somewhere quiet and just throw the screen up on a wall and spend an hour hour and a half two or three times a week during the season running plays back and forth and him showing me tendencies and things to look for and things that we needed to make our other players aware of uh during the game uh and it was a you don't you don't realize it at the time because you're young you're naive you're full of uh, piss and vinegar you think you're on top of the world uh but he was truly truly a football player uh, he was the first of the original glue guys. Uh, I made the comment earlier in the week, and it was not – I didn't mean it disrespectfully, but, you know, he, he had no business being there. I had no business being there. Uh, we, we would line up for a 40-yard dash, and, you know, as they say, they'd get out the sundial. You know, we beginning of the year, we'd run that two-mile run. They'd give me and Monk a lantern and a lunch. And so the <laughs> trainer will be there in the morning when you cross. Um, but we studied and we, we worked and, and we had camaraderie and we had chemistry and we had love. And we just made it work. And, and reflecting back on it now, didn't realize it at the time, but it was just such a most special, special relationship. And he and I have been able to continue that for 30-plus years now. Uh, you know, I, we did, he didn't eat dinner at my house. I didn't eat dinner at his house. You know, we, 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 we had talks once a month, once every three weeks. But every time we got together, we picked right back up from where we left. And uh, there were a number of conversations we had during Coach Bowden's time when, when um, it was time for him to leave and Jimbo was coming in and, and, and Monk would, would just confide in me in things that I would never repeat because he just needed somebody to vent because he was right in the middle of all that. He was the guy making things happen. And uh, I was very, very um, uh, saddened, continue to be saddened to hear of his passing, uh, but much like his family, uh, it's now time to think about the good times and to think about uh, who he was as an individual and to celebrate him, and he's truly worth celebrating. Well, he is an individual when you think of he's not going to – he was not uh, – you know, he was not the biggest or fastest, the point you just made, but he wasn't going to be outworked. I mean, and, you know, as long as I knew Monk, 
This was a guy up until the last couple of years when I think he had some back issues and he probably stopped running. I mean, he ran four or five miles every day, period. Snowing, blizzard, not that we had those in Tallahassee. Didn't matter. Seven days a week, Thanksgiving Day, whatever. He'd get up. That's what he did. That was his ritual. He was still at his playing weight from the late 1970s, and, and here we are up until, uh, and, and for that matter, as he was going through this battle with cancer. He still got on the elliptical. He still got on the elliptical every day while he's doing chemo and would work. I mean, the, the work ethic this guy had and the passion for FSU uh, was unbelievable. So uh, a couple of stories, and I, and I got to know, really, Keith, my historical knowledge of Florida State in the late 70s, the early Bowden years, I, I was not around, I was around, but I was... Uh, I was born in 1970, so do the math. And I lived in South Florida. I wasn't here at Doe Campbell Stadium uh, in those times. So it's been pieced together by you and Monk, which was always interesting for me because I would do the pregame radio with Monk and I'd get his aspect and then I'd do the TV broadcast with you. And you guys were always so focused on the defensive backfield, obviously, in the secondary because of the position you played. Uh, but he, he just had a genuine passion and love for FSU. And one of my favorite stories that you share <clears throat> that we've told here but but needs to be told again is that he could read lips, and which was pretty advantageous when you were on the field and teams were coaches were not hiding their play calls and that sort of thing. So I'll well, let you. The plays back in the old day would get shuttled in with either the fullback or the tight end, and so the the coach coordinator or head coach would would you know shout or whisper the play as it were to the player who would run. Well, while that player was running in, Monk would parrot back what the coach had said. And and sometimes the calls were real simple. You know, I right flex 48 toss. All right, well, that means they're lining up offensive strong right. That's defensive strong left. That's a toss sweep, guys. Toss sweep to the left. And we would know what was coming. Not every time. Sometimes he'd get it wrong. Sometimes, you know, it'd be a, a seven and not an eight or however that would work out. Sometimes he would know what it was and he would shout what it was and we can't say it on the radio, but he would just go, whatever the blank that is. <laughs> That's what it is. Whatever it is. <laughs> and get excited. Uh, but he had that unique talent. And it also, uh, I never asked any of the administration at Florida State if they ever whispered anything during a meeting, but but I would, I would encourage them not to whisper anything during a meeting when Monk was there because he could probably figure it out. All right, well, I'm not going to lie. Monk would help me on the sideline sometimes because he could be 20 yards away from Jimbo and see what he just mouthed into the headsets and tell me, hey, Jimbo's going to do this. So, well, that's that's a helpful tip. Exactly. Thank, thank exactly. you for that because he could read lips. Uh, hey, Stan Wilcox, the director of athletics, is going to join us later. Uh, and, and really, it's to talk about Monk, not to talk about Florida State athletics overall. But Stan is a guy who came in, uh, didn't have ties to FSU, and certainly leaned heavily on Monk as he got integrated into the athletic department. And the other story I'll share, and then we'll wrap this segment up, uh, this is not uncommon uh, or maybe more common knowledge because some of it's been written, but when Monk got the position that he had in the athletic department, there were a lot of people uh, that were not necessarily in favor of it or impressed uh, or didn't, you know, just thought it was a former athlete that was going to be in there and he wasn't going to take care of him. And I'm talking head coaches of all the programs. And it didn't take very long after that where those coaches would would tell me I was 100% wrong. This guy's been unbelievable for us. And that's whether it was a, a coach of a women's program, a men's program. I mean, the guy poured his heart and soul into FSU, not just football, but into FSU athletics. I showed up Sunday uh, to get ready to do the basketball game that you and I did, uh, the men's game. The women's game had started at 1 o'clock. <clears throat> I got there about 2 o'clock, right before halftime. Went back in the back doing my piddling stuff. Come back up, watch the finish of the women's game, and come out and sit. And Coach Sue comes over. And um, 
uh, a couple of the players were doing uh, post game interviews with Shirlace, and Coach Sue came and sat down on the on the counter right in front of me. So she's sitting right in front of me. I'm sitting in a chair, and I looked at her and I said, "How you doing?" And she said, "You know, we won the game, but I really don't care. Just miss Monk." Yeah. So here's a coach that's just gotten through with a contest. Women's basketball coach just got through with a contest, sitting there waiting to do post game interview. And what's on her mind is that we've lost Monk. That's how he endeared himself to those coaches. Uh, and Jimbo, for all his barking and all of his boisterousness, and, and, and Jimbo is a is tough guy behind closed doors. He knows what he wants and he goes after it. Monk was always the guy to have to tell Jimbo no. And yet, not that the answer was always no, but if the answer was going to be no, it was Jimbo. That's who had to deliver it and and ask Jimbo what he thinks of Monk. Well, he expressed it after 10 years when this is the guy that had to tell him no, he still speaks as highly of him as he does. I think that's a great testimony to Monk. Well, a big loss for the Florida State family, and uh, we'll we'll talk more about Monk a little bit later on when Stan Wilcox joins us. Uh, but we'll we'll step aside for now. Uh, Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles dot com insider, will join us. We'll talk football. We'll grade him as we uh, shift. He doesn't know that yet, though. No, I did give him a heads up. Oh, you did? I, I, yeah, I said we're going to pull out the report. We have the tape, so although it's not really tape these days, but we're going to document how he did uh, in the rapid fire game, and we may try another one as well. So that's next when we continue on the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. That bad company has worked out well as we go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? I'm doing very well. We uh, all escaped Dodge in Syracuse just before the storm came in, so that that part was good. But the game was good, too. I mean, this is this is two in a row. I know the opponents, uh, certainly not the caliber of what FSU will see this week, but uh, it does appear that Florida State is fine-tuning uh, just in time for the Gators. Yeah, and look, you know, you, you want to dominate the teams that you're supposed to dominate. Now, that was the case on Saturday on the road in a, a, a strange environment. I like the Carrier Dome, but I don't know if there's anywhere like it in college football in terms of the the, the noise that it has and the, the, the weird sight lines. Like, it's a dome, but it only seats about 45,000 people. Just a strange place to play, and if you're not dialed in, uh, it can get, be, I think, a tough place to play. But that game was never in doubt. So, uh, Syracuse, not a great opponent, especially since they lost their quarterback. But Florida State did exactly what it was supposed to do, which I thought was encouraging. It was We knew it was a foregone conclusion, but to see Dalvin have that kind of day – and the funny thing is, and I, I noticed it at the time, but but watching the highlights back when we taped Coach Fisher's show, I mean, there were two or three plays where he lost his footing and the hole was 15 feet wide and he was going to go 80 yards. I mean, it was just a memorable day for Dalvin Cook. Oh, it really, it really was. And, you know, I like to see, not that anybody would put any type of asterisk on the record, but, it, but you would hate to see him, you know, do it on a day where he had 25 carries for 79 yards or something like that. No, by the way happened to do it with a, a six-yard run in the third quarter, something like that. No, I mean, he did it the way that he has his entire career, which is with big runs and big plays and scoring touchdowns. And, and you're right about losing the footing. And I wonder, 
you know, that was a, a storyline that came out after that Ole Miss game it was uh, him having a hard time getting his feet on the turf. And, and uh, this is, I think, the, the first game that Florida State has played. I can't remember if Louisville's turf or not, but whatever the case may be, he, he hasn't done it much. So I wonder if there really is, you know, something to that. We spent so much time sort of dissecting the turf at the Citrus Bowl earlier this year. I wonder if, if maybe that played a factor on Saturday, too. Well, that'll certainly be something that uh, as he goes forward and is playing on Sundays, they'll want to uh, to investigate. That's a good observation. I was amazed at the Carrier Dome by the reaction of the crowd on some of Dalvin's runs. Uh, you mentioned the sound. The sound stays in that building because of the dome, uh, more so than I think any other building because it's a little smaller. But it was amazing the oohs and the ahs that you heard from the home crowd at some of his cuts and some of his runs. Yeah, I thought so too. And, and that's kind of cool to see. Uh, like I said, I've, I've always enjoyed my trips to Syracuse. I haven't had a ton, but I've been there more than most people that I know. And the folks have always seemed, uh, you know, pretty friendly. And, and you know, they, they, when you, when you can appreciate a good player like that, I know you, you don't want to sound condescending. It's like, oh, here, opposing fans, enjoy our great player. But, but there is something to that, you know, to be said. that you know, That's a guy that's going to be playing on Sundays, one of the, the great players in the country, and he doesn't get up there all that, that often. So uh, if they were able to enjoy it, I thought it was a pretty cool thing, too. Our fans are pretty good at it, too. Tom and I were doing the basketball game, men's basketball game on Sunday, and all of a sudden the crowd reacted, and, and they weren't even dribbling. Oh, it was a bizarre <laughs> moment. There was this buzz in the crowd, and – Keith and I are – then I look up and they're, they're, showing, they're showing Dalvin on the video board. I'm like, ah, now I understand. And, and it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a cut. It was him sitting in the Tucker Center. And they just showed him sitting there watching a basketball game, and the place went nuts. Yeah, it was, it was a funny moment, though. All right, so let, let's turn the page here to Florida, Tim. Uh, first of all, you're the Seminoles.com insider, so I won't ask you who you like in this game because uh, you're obligated to say Florida State. But how do you think this <laughs> – how do you uh, – you know, how does Florida State win this game? I think it could look uh, a lot like last year's game in Gainesville, and the the twenty-seven to two final score. I'm sure sounds good to Florida State fans, but you know the fact of the matter is, and some of the guys, some of the players said this last night in their interviews at the practice, and that the final score really for a, a lot of the game didn't indicate how tough of a game that was. It was a, a grind, a defensive battle, and that Florida State was able to make a few plays and and pull away. Dalvin Cook, especially in the fourth quarter, helped them pull away. But Florida has still has a really good defense. Uh, and they still have an offense that, that struggles to, to move the ball unless you turn the ball over and give them a short field. So I think the key for Florida State is going to be up front. Again, can they give Dalvin Cook room to run against that defensive front? Uh, and can they keep DeAndre Francois upright? And if, if Florida State can, can hold its own against Florida's defense, uh, I think the Florida State's defense can, can do the same against Florida's offense because, uh, as we've seen, that offense has just had a really, really tough time, whether it be with injuries or inexperience at the quarterback position, whatever the case may be. Uh, they still haven't turned the page under, under Coach Jim McElwain. So uh, I expect Florida State to do well in this game. But, but I'll I tell you guys, and I was thinking about it this morning, I got a weird feeling about this game. Whenever, whenever one side of a, of a rivalry starts to, to show too much, uh, when, the, when the pendulum swings too much in one direction, it kind of – sends up my radar a little bit. So I, I think Florida State is in good shape and should expect to win, but they're going to need to be sharp in this one. That's called paranoia, Tim. That means you're, that you're, fir- you're that firmly in- Welcome to our world. You're firmly entrenched <laughs> in the rivalry. Guys. Hey, on the offensive line, uh, two questions here. Do we think R will be back as the starter over Minshew, and, and do they go with Rick Leonard again at tackle? Yeah, I think they're definitely going to go again with Rick Leonard at, at tackle, and I think that Freemar will be back at left guard. Jimbo said earlier, or he said Saturday that, that he had been dealing with an illness for most of the week and wanted to get in and play. And, and you know, that's a, that was kind of a homecoming game 
for him uh, being from the New York area, so they uh, they wanted to get him in there. I suspect if he's feeling fine, and I think he probably would be, that Kareem Marr will be back there. And, yeah, it'll be Rick Leonard. And an interesting little thing that I actually asked, uh, asked Jimbo yesterday about uh, what what kind of improvements he'd seen out of Rick Leonard. He said, you know, and this happens for a lot of players, I think, him being able to, to sit for the last month and a half or so uh, and watch and kind of learn and, and, and observe practice rather than just kind of have his head, his nose to the grindstone. He said really kind of helped him learn the ins and outs of the position and, and the big picture. Uh, and then when he came back into the lineup two weeks ago, you could see that improvement. And, uh, and so Jimbo said he noticed that with Rick. He said it's more knowledgeable, a little more comfortable out there with what he was supposed to be doing, and it's showing up on the practice field. So uh, kind of a, a good development for him, for sure, to, uh, to be able to use that time out of the starting lineup productively and become a better player because of it. I don't doubt that that's true, but I'm pretty confident that Florida's third-string defensive end is better than what Syracuse put out there last week. We'll just leave it at well, that. Uh, In other words, I'm going to reserve judgment. We'll see how it goes uh, this well, week. Bo- both things can be true, you know. Then, <laughs> well, that's why I said I don't doubt that. All right. Uh, the fans have just been flooding, uh, you know, text message, email, social media. They want rapid fire with Tim Linnefeld. But so, do we grade him first or do we first, test him first? First, and we haven't done this before, Tim. We want you to uh, listen in. We're going to grade you from last week as we take oh a look back. Here comes last week's rapid fire. Take oh, a listen. I'm nervous. We're going to start with basketball. They've got two games. They've got Winthrop and Detroit Friday and Sunday. So the number of times after scoring 99 last night that FSU hits the century mark, the over-under is a half. Over-under. Under. Number of carries for Dalvin to set the record this weekend. Over-under is two and a half. I've already had this conversation with uh, with my buddy Lane Hurt. I say three, so over. Number of possessions for the FSU offense on Saturday. The over-under is uh, football. We're talking here 15 and a half. Under. Uh, you know, over, over, sorry. Number of interceptions by McFadden. We're setting the bar at a half. Over. Nooney Murray punt return for a touchdown. A half. Under. Missed calls by the ACC officials. Three and a half. Abstain. <laughs> <laughs> Number of timeouts called by Jimbo because a receiver lined up wrong. A half. Over. Number of times the injury tent goes up for DeAndre Francois. I'm setting that at one and a half. Oh, gosh. Uh, under. All right, so four and three overall. You recovered nicely. And, he started and, like and Florida State's offense. Started like Florida State's offense. Very slow. A couple of we were, we were getting going there, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be brutal." But turned out okay. Couple of clarifications. First of all, the the timeout that was called was for a tight end, but we counted that as a receiver and gave you credit. And also, FSU didn't have the injury tent at Syracuse, <laughs> so while DeAndre wasn't injured, there was no tent there last week, so it didn't go up at all. All right, hey, that, that's, that's not my fault. That said. <laughs> That said, we're ready for rapid fire. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Florida Gator style. Here we go. Number of touchdowns scored by Dalvin Cook. The over-unders at one and a half. Over. Picks by McFadden. The over-under is a half. Over. Wins in Brooklyn by the basketball team. The over-under is one and a half. Over. Did you see Illinois last night? I, I did. Went fell to Winthrop, who FSU just beat. So keep point, that in mind. Points scored by FSU. I did not consult Vegas, so I don't even know where this would be. But uh, I'm setting the line at 20.5 FSU points against Florida. Over. Number of safeties in the game. Over under a half. Under. 
number of FSU safeties still standing after the game. Over-unders, two and a half. Good grief. How many do we have now? Well, we were counting out. We've got Ehrman. We've got Trey if he plays, and we've got Carlos Becker. And I don't know if you want to count Kyle Myers, who's sort of a hybrid and might have to play safety. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say over. I'll bet they get one of those guys back. All right. Times that the uh, the TOC tent injury tent goes up. And for, it will be there this week. For, De, <laughs> for, for DeAndre Francois, I'll, I'll, I'll put the over-under at a half. I'm going to say under. And here's the here's the big one. The number of head football coaches at FSU on Monday, the over-under is a half. Oh, boy. Here it is, huh? Come to this. You know what? I'm saying over. All right. I like that. That's where I would go on that one, too. I, I think, think he went over on everything, I didn't think, he? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, those, those are the questions. And, and look, it, they, they weren't all slam dunks. They were all tough. They just kind of came out that way. All right. Well, uh, I'm with you on that. I think Jimbo stays. Tim, uh, this is, be- you know, we should have done this weeks ago. You know, we, Keith and I wouldn't have to come up with questions. We can just come up with <laughs> silly things we can attach a number to. It, it, it took us all season, but I really feel like we're finding our stride here. Yeah, we are. It's a November to remember here on the front row. We're done. <laughs> we're done. We know that uh, you have people to see, places to go, but uh, we'll see you at the game this weekend, and, and we will grade you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving, to, Thanksgiving you to you, too. That is our insider, Tim Linnefeld. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Nice job by uh, Mr. One, yeah. Tom Lang. Tom Lang is the one who came up with the number of FSU head coaches on Monday and setting the bar at, at a half right there. All right, we'll step aside, come back. Keith and I will talk more about FSU Florida football when we continue on the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row, thanks to Tim Linnefelt as always. We will grade him once again next week. You know, we're nearing the end of the semester. I'm not sure if he's going to pass. Can he just go pass Phil? <laughs> he's going to want to by the time. You know. Well, the beauty of this, as we have discussed, Keith, is that we get to pose whatever question we want. We're not really on the spot. We just put him on the spot. I hope he Don't does. tell him that secret. Do not him. ever let him become the host of a show. I know. I know. Because I don't want to have to be on the, uh, on the other side. It's much easier in this role. Just play traffic cop. All right, let's talk uh, between the lines here a little bit more, FSU and Florida. First of all, uh, going back to the point made at the top of the show, you just want to beat the Gators. That's what it is. If you bleed the garnet and gold, if you bleed orange and blue, you're the other way around and you want to beat FSU. Uh, This, from from a Jimbo standpoint, again, it's not going to atone for the season. Some people, doesn't matter what happens the rest of the year. Jimbo gets a win. He's 6-1 against Florida to go with 7-0 against Miami. You know, that's... Not too shabby. Well, the first thing that Coach Bowden said when he came in 76 is that he understood from the boosters that he had to win the state championship. And obviously, we're 30-something years removed from that, and the landscape has changed, but there's still a segment, a, a pronounced segment of the Florida State fan base that if you can't play for a national championship, you dang sure better win than the state championship. That'll keep them happy. Uh, so Florida State poised to do that. Pardon me. The other part is, and I was thinking about this, Tommy, Florida fans will tell you that, that their rival is Georgia. And and part of that is because it's much longer standing. Florida State and Florida didn't play until the late 50s. I think it's exactly the same the way Florida State fans look at Miami 
rivalry and then the way they look at the Florida rivalry. I think the Gators respect the Bulldogs. Uh, they play that game in Jacksonville. You know, there's there's equal uh, representation in the in the stadium. Florida State fans respect Miami. They know the five national championships, uh, that type of thing. But there's just an inner sibling. I'm going to fight with my brother or my sister's going to scratch me or my little brother's going to kick me in the shin and run or or my big brother's going to take my bike from me. There's just an innate familial type of I want to beat these guys yeah. that goes beyond records, what it means, or anything else. There's a dislike there. Now, don't let anybody else come and mess with either team. Either team will defend the other against the rest of the world. But by golly, on that given three and a half hours, I want to kick this guy in the shin, take his bike, kick his candy, put his nose in the ground, whatever no, analogy you want to use. Yeah, no question. All right, so let, let's go X's and O's. I mean, really what the what the story is here for Florida is that they're extremely good defensively. They're very good in the special teams. They're not so good on offense. The thing they're struggling with is Florida is injuries on the defensive side. I've got a, a couple of safeties that are out. One of their defensive linemen is out. The good news for Florida is the kids that are coming in, though they're young, they're every bit as talented. Uh, Florida defense, I, th- I think, ranks third in the country and um, uh, points allowed, fifth in the country in total, or, or vice versa, top five in either one of those. Florida State will really, really struggle to score on these guys. Offensively, you know, it's been the revolving quarterback. Uh, Del Rio's hurt. Don't expect him to play. They've got a little bit of a running game, but they've not been able to throw the ball at all. So, so you win on defense. They are extremely talented on special teams. And we saw Florida State give up a couple, couple of punt returns against Syracuse. Uh, Florida's very good at kickoff returns. They're great in coverage. That play in that field position, keep Florida State backed up, uh, play the shorter field. I mean, it, it. this is a, a different type of ball game than you're used to seeing when Florida State's playing Clemson and Louisville where you got to score 40, 45 points to win the ball game. This score is going to be low, and there's going to be a fewer number of possessions, and every possession is going to be extremely valuable in this contest. Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook, so he's going to get his. But do you expect Jimbo to attack this? Sort of like he did Boston College. Uh, you know, in other words, I mean, if you look at the end of the LSU game last week, I mean, LSU was at the one-yard line twice in a row, and they just beat their head against the wall and didn't get in. Jimbo's not apt to do that early on. So is this a, we're going to run some reverses, we're going to short passing game, we're going to try to get them to respect that before we run Dalvin? I think you're going to see a little bit of everything. The first thing you're going to see is DeAndre running the ball. You know, I had people asking me, why, why, why are you running the quarterback in the third and fourth quarter against Syracuse? Well, you know why? So you can run those plays against Florida because we hadn't run them in four or five plays, uh, four or five games rather. So you're going to see Dalvin running the ball a bunch. You're also going to see DeAndre running the ball a bunch. Um, and I think when it, when it prevents itself, Jimbo is as good as anybody I've ever seen at taking what the defense will give. So the first couple of three series, it might be like a, a welterweight or a heavyweight fight filling each other out. Uh, but Jimbo will be looking for those tendencies and those things in Florida to show their hand. And whatever Florida shows, Jimbo will have a counter to. But I do think you'll see DeAndre running the ball more than you have in the past. And I think that's why they ran DeAndre in the Syracuse game. Side note, Dalvin's one of the best. 
but he has not helped DeAndre on any of those runs the last couple of weeks. I mean, if he just makes one block, DeAndre's got about 40 more yards. Well, you got to remember something, though, Tom. When when offensive love you, when love <laughs> when offensive linemen get out in the open field, they're coached to go after the defensive backs. In other words, to give themselves up. Otherwise, the defensive back can just skate a couple of steps to the right and come back to the left. Running backs, you don't ask them to throw themselves downfield. Right. All Dalvin is asked to do is get in the way. And he's kind of done that, and he ain't done that real well. So so you're, you're 20 yards downfield. You're not asking Ford to lay himself out. You're just right, asking right. him to shield. But you're exactly right. If, if a couple of, uh, of those go a little differently, DeAndre's got some 40 and 50 and 60-yard touchdowns. I think the tight ends are going to be huge for FSU this week. Can they week? get lined up? Well, hopefully they get lined up. That that problem has, I don't want to say gone away. We're going to, you know, as we already mentioned, but it's better than it was the first half of the season. But but my point is, Florida's corners are really good. FSU's receivers are talented, but young, and, and that may be a tough battle for FSU to win. Uh, the linebackers are going to be loaded in the box to stop Dalvin Cook. And so if you can get them in, uh, it just strikes me that the tight ends – could Tight be, ends could are going to be very valuable, and the screen plays, particularly the middle screen, is going to be a very interesting call in a, in a game against Florida. And we have we've only seen uh, that uh, called a couple of three times. Don't be surprised to see a screen play or two to Freddie Stevenson as well. Use Dalvin as a decoy, get the ball to the big guy. He can catch and run as well. Eight o'clock game, like it. Back to old times. Yeah, used, nope. to be, used to be seven. We're a little older. We'll go eight. <laughs> Back to the seminal Saturday night. Exactly. Right? Going to be a good. How about? How about? What do you think Herb Street's thinking? Well, I was, I was thinking that when the crew was announced. So this will be this will be the fifth time that the number one crew in college football has covered Florida State this year. And frankly, Florida State's been out of CFP contention since the third week of the season. So I'm sure you know it's not necessarily their ideal assignment. Then again. Florida State, Florida is one of the better rivalries out there. I realize we're talking about a day where there's Michigan, Ohio State that means more this year. Although it always means more in the SEC, doesn't it? Anyway, we've got <laughs> we've got Alabama, Auburn, but uh, it's still a pretty good deal. It's going to be interesting. But I was going to tease you. I said, well, why don't you just hang out with Sam a little bit? Maybe you'll learn something about sideline reporting. Well, Mac. Well, <laughs> I don't think there's any hope at this point. I don't think <laughs> you know hope. what you know and what you don't know. You're never going to learn. All right. We'll, uh, we'll step aside, come back with, uh, with more as we continue on the front row. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is the Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Back on the front row, we're going to turn our attention uh, back to Monk Bonasort and talk with Stan Wilcox here momentarily. But Keith and I had a, uh, a senior moment last segment 
we were talking about Fowler and Herb Street coming in to, to do the game. They are not. They're doing Michigan-Ohio State, which makes complete sense since both those teams are in contention for the playoff. That's, it happens. that's what we get for assuming. Thank you, Tom Lang, for uh, correcting us. Yeah, so so stop with the hate mail. We did. It only took three minutes. We got the record set straight. But uh, uh, more serious tenor now is uh, we're joined by Stan Wilcox, FSU Director of Athletics, courtesy of uh, he joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And Stan, uh, thank you for a few minutes of your time. I know this is uh, – it's a tough week, but it's been a tough several months or really a tough last 13 months, I guess, since Monk first found out that, uh, you know, what he was battling. And, and I'll stop there and just let you share your sentiment. First of all, somebody who worked uh, on the fourth floor, uh, you know, side by side with Monk Bonasort. Uh, well, uh, first, thanks, uh, Tom and Keith, for uh, having me on uh, to talk about Monk. You know, it's uh, uh, it's very easy to talk about Monk because uh, Monk was, uh, you know, that type of person that uh, was all things Florida State uh, University and Florida State Athletics. He was, uh, uh, as I have said, uh, a giant of a person that uh, came to every work, uh, came to work every day uh, with uh, that type of energy and that type of love and passion. Uh, for uh, Florida State Athletics, uh, and that was uh, that was that was Monk. Everything Monk did, <clears throat> uh, it was uh, it was done with uh, love for this university. It was done with love for the student athletes, uh, for the coaches, uh, and for this program to continue to keep this program moving in the right direction. And uh, you, you know, uh, <clears throat> someone asked me the other day. Uh, so what do you do now? How do you replace Monk? And I told him, you, you don't replace Monk. There's no replacing him because he was one of a kind. Uh, you know, a, a great friend uh, for, to me uh, when I first came here. And, uh, you know, he was he was one of those individuals that uh, was doing uh, everything. And there was nothing that he wouldn't do for you and uh or for this program and uh you know i i really uh really am gonna miss him so much uh everybody around here is going to miss him it was a it was a, a t- very difficult um um uh, 13 months uh for us around here when we first found out uh, uh his uh illness um but the one thing that we knew about monk is uh you know he was an individual that was always going to fight. Uh, he was uh, never going to give up, and uh, he never gave up to the very end. Uh, and uh, he was uh, basically an inspiration, I think, to all of us uh, here uh, in athletics uh, to see how he um, came to work still every day. You know, when he was ill, he was still out and, and about. He was still coming to the office. You know, uh, to the very last couple of weeks, he would come in. Uh, when he could, and he would sit in in our in, on our executive staff meetings, and I always told him, you know, I want you to always continue to be be around here, continue to come into work when you can, because I know that that's what makes you happy, that what that drives you, and that will help you continue to fight this battle that you're in, and uh, and that's something that he did, and uh, I, I I know he's in a much better place now. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, our hearts go out to, uh, Bev, uh, and the family and the Bonasort family. Uh, they're always going to be a part of our family. And, uh, uh, it's just, um, you know, one of those things that you never thought or think that would happen. Um, 
but when it and, and when it does, it really hits you hard. Um, but uh, the, the the one saving grace about all of this is that we know Monk is is in a much better place right now. Stan KJ here. I had the chance uh, and and the the good fortune, uh, really good fortune, uh, to meet Monk in August of '77. Uh, we started uh, three years together. My observation uh, from the get-go is something that may be a little bit different, but you know, we talk about the work Duns and the Charlie Wards and the Derek Brooks and how how much they mean to our fan base, and and Monk falls into that category as well. But Monk is probably the most beloved former athlete by former athletes in Florida State history. Oh, that that is that is so correct. That is so so true, and uh, you know that. That that uh, uh, just an att- a testament to uh, to how he was and who he who he was, uh, and that's because uh, everyone, all every former student athlete that came back um, to Florida State, you know, the, he was the ambassador to, to welcome them with uh, open arms and to to make sure that they were they had whatever they needed to uh, make their their visit. Um, you know uh, the best visit they possibly could have. You know he he understood obviously uh, being a, a student athlete here. He wanted to treat everybody the way he would want to be treated uh, if he were coming back here, and, and he was uh, and, and and the roles were were were, were reversed. So uh, you know it's not surprising at all to me that uh, uh, that he's uh, beloved by all the former student athletes as well as the student athletes that are current here, currently here because he was there for everyone. We talk about glue guys. Uh, I, I've never asked you this question before, but I would suspect he was probably the glue guy of your administration. Most definitely, without question. You know, he's he's the one that, uh, you know, whatever I needed to, to have done, uh, no, no matter how difficult the task was, or how uh, minuscule the task was, he was the person that uh, that we can go to and count on to get it done. He was the person that understood the uh, he was the heart of this this department and understood how this department worked. How it uh, uh, he he was he was able to take any vision, any new vision. As I came in with a new vision and implement it and get it done, and uh, he was just. Uh, uh, a person that uh, no one can really uh, understand uh, how uh, how good he was and how how great he was of a person unless you've had an opportunity to to really be around him and to to work with him on a day to day basis and uh, working with him on a day to day basis. If you ask any of our staff members here, they say that you know he was the consummate uh, person with a lot of energy. Um, a, a big heart, a lot of drive, and uh, the one that really kept this staff together and uh, the one that people would go to for basically anything that they needed. We're talking with FSU Director of Athletics, Stan Wilcox. Stan, uh, I don't even know if you if, if you have an answer for this yet, but but who's going to fill Monk's shoes uh, on your staff? Uh, as I said earlier, that, that there's, there's no one to fill those shoes. Uh, uh, we're uh, there, there is no uh, replacing him. Uh, we all are going to take up, uh, you know, the the, the duties. Uh, you know, so it'll take it'll take the entire staff to to really uh, be able to uh, handle all the things that uh, 
that Monk was able to do while he was here. So, um, so we're 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 not looking uh, for any replacement. Uh, we are we are looking to uh, try to just continue to to uh, continue his legacy, continue the uh, the, the path that he created uh, for this uh, for this department, and everybody's got to chip in and and continue to, to row in the same direction that he had us all going in. What uh, the services are going to be uh, Monday as, as we're recording this, and I, and I guess at the stadium, and, and that will give uh, an awfully uh, big crowd a chance to come out and, and pay their respects to Monk. Yes, we're, we've uh, been uh, having conversations with uh, Bev and the family to, to um, try to accommodate their wishes. And uh, as of right now, we're, uh, we're having discussions about having this service on Monday uh, in the stadium or in the uh, Champions Club uh, weather, uh, uh, if, if inclement weather. And uh, we should have all that information out hopefully later today uh, uh, or uh, at least um, uh, first thing in the morning. And uh, we're going to, uh, obviously, all that information will be up on our website. It'll be, uh, we'll do a release uh, and make sure that everybody who wants to attend and pay their last respects are able to uh, attend the service. Uh, particularly, uh, you know, our student athletes uh, know they're going to be going on break, and that's part of the reason why we want to hold it until Monday so that we know that uh, our student athletes will be back in time uh, and uh, can be able to t- t- attend the service. Well, Stan, there's a lot of uh, grieving and uh, missing and uh, wishing going on. Uh, but by the time Monday rolls around, I expect there's going to be a lot of uh, remembering and positive energy in that stadium. Monk would not want it any other way. That, that's so true. He, he was, uh, every time you saw him, he uh, had a smile on his face, a pep in his step. And uh, he uh, he he would want this, uh, which it, which it will be. He would want it to be a celebration of his life, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate Monk's life, as we should. Stan, I thank you for a few minutes of your time. FSU lost a, a great member of the family, uh, but uh, his legacy truly will live on. And uh, condolences, obviously, to the family, but also the FSU athletics family and the university family, for that matter. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, Tom, and thank you, Keith. You bet. FSU Director of Athletics, Dan Wilcox. I should mention, by the way, that uh, Seminole Boosters has uh, created a, a scholarship. Uh, you can go to boosters.fsu.edu backslash monk, M-O-N-K, and it's the Monk Bonasort Free Safety Position uh, Scholarship for Football. Uh, suggested donation of $42 for his number 42. Uh, but I encourage you to do that. Uh, as we're recording this, I think that Bev has indicated that they're going to start uh, – Maybe their own charity, Monk's Ministries, I think is what I might have heard. But it was uh, still to be determined, but it's going to benefit student-athletes because that truly is where he hung his hat and what he gave his life to. When he was president uh, of the Varsity Club, uh, which he did for 13 years, president and executive director, once uh, the Varsity Club got paid off, his vision was that the seat money that gets generated by license uh, would go to into a fund that would help former athletes and their families. That, that was his passion 22 years ago. Uh, that's what he envisioned 22 years ago. So I think that's totally in keeping uh, with what he would want. I think it's also interesting our listeners should know that when that scholarship was first talked about, as I've been told, it was going to be the weak safety scholarship. 
And Monk didn't like the term weak, and it was changed to free safety. <laughs> well, that's fitting because there was not a weak bone in Monk's body. Not one at all. All righty. Well, thanks to Stan. And, uh, folks, thanks for letting us reminisce a little bit. Uh, you know, we all have a lot to be thankful for, and sometimes we don't always appreciate it. And this week, more than ever, maybe we should all make sure that we do. We'll come back and uh, put a bow on this week's edition of The Front Row right after this. You're listening to The Front Row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on The Front Row. Boy, we've been all over the uh, emotional spectrum here today, I guess. Peaks and valleys, obviously. And bad information as well. Well, that's one thing that is consistent. I mean, if nothing <laughs> we, we else, messed up. <laughs> if nothing else, yes, we have aired once again. Uh, and yet they let us continue to air every Wednesday at 6 right here on the front row. I'll remind you to uh, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes if you have not done so already. I'll also remind you, a uh, little plug here, if you went to Doke after dark BC weekend, even if you didn't, uh, this is going to become a new norm as Florida State is really going to take advantage of the Champions Club and, the, and, and have some stadium concerts. It was recently announced uh, that Blake Shelton and Jake Owen are going to perform. And, uh, you know, I don't have the date on hand, but I think that's late April. In the Rings spring. a bell. In the spring. It's in the spring. Tickets went on sale yesterday morning. Uh, so go to dokeafterdark.com to get more information about that. But that's a big deal. Uh, and one of the many ways that Seminole Boosters and the university is going to use the Champions Club uh, much more than just the six or seven home games uh, every year. Uh, anything else you, you want to add about uh, Monk or the game? And then and I'll switch topics as, as we close real quick. I've been trying to find a way to make this politically correct, uh, but I'm just going to put it out there. I, I, I think it's just ironic, and I think Monk is upstairs just grinning his ass off that he died during Florida week. As much as we hate the Gators, it's just another reason to hate this week. You know, uh, you and I tape the uh, the wake up Knowles show in the wee hours, and so in the case this week, we got back to the Moore Center from Syracuse, and it was one a.m. Probably, we recorded that show, and then uh, you were kind enough to give me a ride home because my alternative at that point was Uber or walk. So I do appreciate that. But the last thing you said to me, you said we're not going to talk about this, but. I hope Monk doesn't go during Florida week. And so we didn't talk about it. And then by the time we woke up the next morning, he had passed probably literally within the same couple hours we had that conversation. But uh, and ref- I, hope, I hope folks will appreciate Reflecting my back, I understand the tenor of your – I mean, it, Monk, Monk's just up there grinning. Well, I'm we just sh- telling you. should point out that the players are going to wear number 42 decals uh, on their helmets this week as a tribute to Monk. And uh, I'm going to have to find the equipment guys and get a few for the radio crew too including you, who uh, was by his side. What I was going to add, and it really doesn't make sense to do this now, but to, if you're curious, the, the baseball schedule was released today. So go to Seminoles.com to get that, and you can dissect it. The tournament this year is in Louisville. But uh, I think fitting that we just all remember, Monk, uh, appreciate uh, what you have in your life. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we will see you at the game on Saturday. And always, always don't take anything for granted because it can be gone in a breath. Exactly right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in every week, folks. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you again next week.